Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. John chapter 5, and I'm going to read 1 through 10. I know some of your translations probably have omitted a particular verse, I found out. Uh, verse chapter, uh, I think it's verse 4, and I'm probably going to tell you why they omitted that because I did study that out and looked at it, uh, but not all translations did. But sometimes it doesn't fit the narrative uh, in certain as- areas, and some people would say, well, we just don't think it's important, so we're d- we took this out. And they do that in, in, in areas today of the Scripture. And uh, they said, well, this codex, which was what we would anyhow, I can go into all the details of that, and I will teach that in some other classes. I'm not going to do that now. But I wanted to show you something, this. And in verse 1, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, that's what the King James Version calls it, sheep gate uh, is what it means. It doesn't necessarily mean market like there's buying and selling of sheep. That's not what it's that. That's not what it means. It means that there was a gate in which outside of the temple there, outside of the sanctuary, outside of uh, this area here is where the sheep came to. And in this place, there was five porches uh, which, you, which accessed this pool uh, which is at the sheep gate, which is just outside of the temple where the sacrifices would be made. But inside of these porches, the Bible says, let's keep reading, uh, and this place was called Bethesda, which means a house of grace. And it actually refers to mercy and grace. I just want to just stop for a moment here, and I just want to think about this. I've already given you a description where this place was at. What is in the temple? Anybody know what's in the temple? What's in the center of the temple? The holiest place of all, right? The Holy of Holies. What's in the center of the Holy of Holies? The mercy seat. Is that right? Here we see outside of the temple here where the people could access. They couldn't go into the holiest of holies, but they found the house of grace, the place of mercy. Right here, and inside this place was five porches. And the Bible says, if we keep reading here, in these lay a great multitude, verse 3, of impotent folk. The word impotent, uh, what it means there by understanding just means weak. Doesn't just necessarily mean they're sick, but it doesn't not say that they're not sick in that aspect, but it just means that they're weak. They've been weakened. And the Bible says there's a great multitude lying in these porches. But yet, there's the pool of grace right there in front of them. I want to keep you, I'm just putting that in your mind for a moment. I want you to think about this. And the Bible says, and there's this impotent folk, blind and halt and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down, verse 4, at a certain season. Now, this is the tradition. This is the tradition in which that that, that it turned into. Okay? And so the angel of the Lord went down to a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever or, or whosoever of disease he had. So the Bible says, um, whosoever went in and was made whole of whatsoever disease they had when they stepped into this pool, which is a type, the Bible says, a house of grace, place of mercy. And, you know, Jesus even told the Jewish people, he said, you, you, you hold more fast to your traditions and you made the word of God of none effect. And when we begin to understand the typology here of what's going on, 
And I believe today this is a, it can be a type of the New Testament church where you get to see the five porches. There, there's a, what we call the fivefold ministry. And in times, in many places, there's a lot of people that are in a lot of porches and they're still lying there weak and impotent and hot and lying and blame. They're not getting in the pool. I don't believe that was God's intention. Because I know when you understand what grace is and what mercy is, the Bible says that you can have access anytime because of Jesus, we can have access at any time into that grace. But see, they did not understand the grace of God because of their traditions, because of the way that the religion operated. They didn't understand the mercy of God. David got a hold of it. He went in and ate the showbread and grabbed a hold of the horns of the mercy seat and cried out to God. And the Bible says of David, he was a man after my own heart. Others, they'd be looking at him and say, no, you can't do that. You see, it's so important today that we understand this is not a competitive thing, who's in first, because you can see that that's not a place of grace, because the Bible says, by terminology, by definition, grace is unmerited favor. Here they had made it merited. You had to be first. Are you hearing me right now? That tradition came. If you, you, you know, there's something wrong with you. And you're going to have to sit in this porch until you're completely whatever. Are you with me? You're not able to access the grace. But that's not what grace is. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's a place that you can come boldly before his throne. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. And you can enter into that place. And you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has made access to that grace through Jesus Christ by his blood. And it's so important today that we understand that his grace is unlimited and it covers every aspect and every area of life. And we can put our trust in that place that when we access that grace, that we are receivers of that grace, not based upon your merit. Are you hearing me right now? It's not based on who gets in first. It's based upon you accessing it and saying, I receive it because we know already there's not any of us in here right now that's worthy of that. None of our works can measure up to that. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved, not of yourselves. Come on, not by works. It is the gift of God. There's much still I think we can access. His throne room is 24-7. And you can come boldly, boldly. Why does it say boldly? Because without reservation, without fear of rejection. Why? Not because of your good habits or your good works or anything else. Not because you're loving perfect. Are you with me right now? Not because you, it's not based upon those things. It's based upon the blood. Thank God for the blood. Amen. The Bible says that that blood, when you ask for forgiveness and you repent of your sin, what does it do? It washes you clean from all unrighteousness. So when you go through, the Bible says you go through the veil, which is this flesh, into that holy place. And we have access today into that holy place by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you glad today that it's not about your flesh? It's his flesh. Now, do we crucify and bring our bodies under subjection? Sure. I have learned that the closer you get to God and the place that you want to walk with God, that you'll begin to abstain from sin. You'll want to do that. You'll want to do that. Not because you have to do that. It's because you want to do that. You don't want to sin. Come on, are you with me right now? Why? Because you know your righteousness. You know your place in God. You understand that God, you, what you have done for me, God, your love inside of me, and this new life that you've given to me is holy. And you made me acceptable before you through that blood. 
I tell you, even Paul said it like this. I, he said, I, I, I despise even the tainted bit of my flesh. Just even a little spot, I just, uh. Are you with me? Anybody else like that? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Amen on me, come on. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for his righteousness over us today. So I wanted just to kind of touch base just for a moment on what we've already discussed for Bona here, just a little bit. Because we want to see in the center when you think about the temple and the tabernacle, when you think about that holy place, that's the center, and the center of that is God's mercy and God's grace. That's who God is. That's, the, that's his heart. And we need to understand that. We need to see that. Because let me just tell you something today. Where were you born again? When you got born again, you got born again in between those cherubims right there at that mercy seat where the blood was offered for you and I. Because you accepted the word of truth and you confessed, Jesus, be my Lord. And the Bible says you confessed because from your heart unto righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Why? Because you saw that your righteousness could not measure to a holy God and, and it was not because of what you have done, but because of what he has done and, and because you accept his righteousness into your life. You know, something very important today. I want you to look in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 with me just for a moment. And most people, a lot of people know this scripture. I can quote this scripture for you too and probably everybody in here. But Romans chapter 1, 16. This is where Paul said something very powerful and a very start to his message to the church at Rome, in Rome to the Christians there and to the Jews. And he said this, he said, uh, Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Do you see that? I want you to really examine this scripture with me this morning just for a moment. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But you ready? Look in verse 17. For therein, for therein, for therein Where? For they're in the gospel. For they're in the gospel. Verse 17. For they're in the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as written, the just shall live by faith. If you notice there, what is in the gospel? The understanding of righteousness should be revealed through the gospel. When the gospel, when the preaching of the gospel is taught, it reveals the righteousness of God which is developing and growing from faith to faith, by faith, faith by faith, faith to faith. You see that? So we're, we're learning this understanding because we're going to have to live by this faith. Faith in what? Faith in that the very power of God, for I'm, not a, for I'm not ashamed, for the gospel of Christ is the power of God under salvation. And, and what is being revealed through that? The righteousness of God in Christ, which we receive by faith. Think about that. Remember when we were looking in this lesson, we talked out of Ephesians. We looked at how that the Bible says that Jesus, when he died, he was crucified. Let's just look at this just real quick, just kind of a, a quick little look, look at this just for a moment in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. But I want to just kind of look in this verse 6. To the praise of the glory, Ephesians 1, 6, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood, 
loved, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You see that? Now I want you to look in chapter 2. First of all, the Bible tells us that in chapter 1 it continues on and it talks about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead by the power of God. The exceeding greatness of his power. And the Bible says Jesus was raised from dead. Verse 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. So the Bible says there were, it says quickened. When you were born again, the Bible says that God is making you alive. That's what it means to quicken, to become life from the dead. The Bible says you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. But now you've been made alive unto God. And so it says that we were dead in our trespasses. We're in times we, we walked. We walked. I want you to think about this word, Walked. Just keep that in your mind for a moment too. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Now I could go back and talk to you about the work of the Holy Spirit of God and how that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then Jesus goes on to explain what that means. Oftentimes we leave it right there. But Jesus actually explained what that means in the New Testament through his teaching in gospel where he said, of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because they go to establish their own. And of judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. Jesus explained it. Well, what does that all mean? I want you to just keep focusing here just with me just for a moment because it's so important today. When we understand this work, we see here the Bible says... In verse 4, but God was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, a minute ago, I said, remember the word walked. The world is walking according to the course of this world, but you're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. What does it mean to seat, to be set? You're at rest. You're at rest. Why are you at rest? Why are you at rest? Let me tell you why. Because you start at rest in the truth by faith that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says that you were created in righteousness and true holiness. Not when your mama had you, but when you were born again. Because every man must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. And so when you are born again, you start from a place of seated in heavenly places in righteousness and true holiness. You are in that place. You're not trying to create your own righteousness, but you have become the righteousness of God in Christ by faith. What a beautiful thing. What a confidence that we can have in God. But see, that's the key. Last week, I talked about out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and I quoted it again today just for a moment. And it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. You see, it's so important today that we have a trust in God according to what he has done for us in Christ because you're seated together. And once you're seated in a rest, then you get to learn how to walk that out. You don't start trying to walk into righteousness. You start out as a righteousness of God. You start out in holiness. You're not trying to become holy because you already are. But the problem is, is when we try to establish our own holiness, our own righteousness, what we're trying to do is we're trying to walk into that place of holiness and righteousness. We're not seated in that place in a place of rest because we don't trust it yet. 
So we go to establish our own righteousness. So we're walking around trying to establish this thing in us. But if you'll understand, that's where you begin. You see, there's a lot of porch dwellers. You're still trying to become that. You're still wondering what in the world's wrong with me because you're trying to go about to establish your own. But when you rest in the fact that you have been set free by the blood of the Lamb, that you've been washed and made clean and you become as holy as Jesus is and as righteous as Christ is because that's how righteous you are. You want to know why I say that? Think about this. In the Old Testament teachings and we, by example and understanding of this place of Bethesda, the house of grace and mercy, where it's called the sheep gate. You know, the Bible tells us that once a year or during the times of the year that the people and Moses in Leviticus, uh, God told Moses, he said, tell the Israelites. He said, tell them this. He says, you will bring a lamb or a sheep or something from your herd and you'll bring it outside of the temple. Just outside the temple. You'll bring it there and the, to the priest, present it to the priest and you'll bring one that is without blemish, unspotted. And then you will tell the Israelite to lay his hands on that sheep. And there they will confess that sin and they will transfer. It's a, it's a type of transfer. You know, the Bible talks about laying on of hands. That's why you see me lay hands. Because I believe in the divine transfer of anointing. To impart. And this is what happened in the Old Testament with the, the lamb. And, and so the Bible says that they would lay their hands on the head of the sheep. and they'd, they'd lay their hands on them and transfer their unrighteous place to an unblemished sheep. But you know something? Very uniquely enough is when that person brought that sheep there. The priest, when he brought it to the priest, what did the priest do? Did the priest look and examine the people that brought the sheep? No, he examined the sheep. He didn't examine the people for their sin. See, there's a lot of times there's one examination going on by the traditions of man. Oh, you better hear me today. Because you can't, listen, the Bible says that when, you, when they laid their hands on them, there was a transfer onto that sheep. Guess what happened with them, though, what was that sheep now was on them. Look in your Bible in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Bible says of Jesus that God made him to be sin for us. For he, who, for he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that what we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, that's the typology of the Old Testament, the understanding of the New Testament. So what happened is in us is that what we were was transferred to the Lamb and what he became, he became sin. Now think about this. Jesus never sinned. So how did that happen? God, the Bible says, made him to be sin for us. Not because he sinned. He was sinless. He was without spot, without blemish. He never sinned as we have sinned. You might say, well, how can this happen? I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and this has to be done, and this has to be done. I'm trying to work for it. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to whatever, get clean. Think about it. 
How does, how does it happen? It don't happen that way. It happens because God, just like it happened with Jesus. How did he become sin? A person that never sinned. How did he become sin? Because God made him to be sin. There was a transfer of the sin of man, your sin on that cross. Everything upon that cross. I know that don't fly in the face sometimes of the porch dwelling understanding because think about it. But this place is a place of grace and mercy. That's the throne room of God. The Bible says of Jesus, he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You got to see it. If you don't see it, well, what's in the way? Yeah, but. Yeah, but what? That's what the Jews said. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Are we going to receive Are we going to receive his righteousness by faith? That's going to be transferred to you by the appropriation of what God has done in Christ for us? Are we going to find some other way to make that happen? Are we going to receive what God has done by faith in Christ because he said it was done? And we can receive of that. That's how you begin to receive. The reason why we struggle off the time at receiving personally from God. We have to receive it. We have to accept it to be so. Because God is not a liar, therefore his word is true. And when you have done the will of God, you can stand in patience believing that you'll receive the promise. Whatever that promise is. By faith. What is faith? Faith believes God. Faith does not move by what we see, what we feel, what we think, what others say. What any, by faith of what God has said. Because faith comes to us by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if I believe what God has said and if I am by faith the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then that's what I am. I'm not trying to become righteous because of anything. I, he has made me righteous because of the blood. Any other teachings in conflict with the blood of Jesus Christ? I want you to hear what I'm telling you today. Man cannot go about to establish his own righteousness. And I'm not talking about good works. I'm talking about through the sinless nature of the blood of Jesus Christ, which makes you brand new. You say, well, I've got issues in my mind. I've got issues in my body. I've got temptations. Everybody's got temptations because you still have flesh. But the Bible says you do not walk, have to walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. How do you do that? Well, first of all, you're going to have to begin to declare out of your own mouth this righteousness, which you already believe in your heart because of what God did in Christ. When God raised him from the dead. So you're going to have to begin to say with your own mouth. That's why the Bible says they confess with their mouth unto righteousness. The problem is that we're not saying it. We're saying, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but man, I got this, I got that. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. I'm just blah, 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 blah. Instead of going, oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I tell you, it's hard to sin. Can you imagine right in the middle of sin, you're going, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Huh? Think about it. When you're in the middle of the act and you start going, wait a minute, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I tell you, that does mess up the moment. Your flesh is weak. But see, how do we receive the strength of what God has done in you? By living out of the spirit and not after the flesh. We're going to deal with the flesh. You can't get delivered from the flesh until you die. Are you with me? That's so why Paul said, I even hate, hate the body that's, that's tainted by that, 
But Jesus, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, why did he do it? He said he condemned sin in the flesh. Why did he do that? So that you might show by walking in the spirit the goodness of God, that they might see your good work. They might see that you are the righteousness of God, not because of what just your, it's not high-mindedness, it's not self-righteousness, because it's not of ourself. We have touched the lamb. And what the lamb had has now got on us. By faith, because of what he's done, not what we have done. Are you hearing me today? Can you see this? It's throughout the whole Bible. That's why in the Proverbs and Jeremiah and also in Ezekiel and places of that nature, they said, when this begins to take place, that Israel can no longer save. For the fathers have eaten the sour grape and the children's teeth have been set on edge. Because when he takes out the heart of stone and he puts it in the heart of flesh, there's a transfer of anointing. Something happened. It wasn't just now in the flesh that you're trying to make yourself righteous. And that's what the law was trying to do. And that's why the Bible says in the book of Romans, those who are of the law have to live by the law. But those who are of grace, we live by faith according to the grace that's been appropriated for us through Christ Jesus. And then the power of salvation begins to get transferred into your spirit where all of a sudden you start going, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm no longer what I used to be. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, there's a different strength in the spirit when you begin to walk in that light and in that way. You'll find out that your flesh becomes a lot weaker and those temptations become a lot weaker. You find out all of a sudden you start breaking loose from those things that have been binding you and holding you in your soul because you're renewing your mind according to the truth of the word of God. And he who knows the truth, the truth will make you free. And he was speaking to these same people that day that told that man who laid there for 38 years in that place, what are you doing? Why are you getting up? They weren't celebrating that he just rose up and walked. They were telling him, no, heresy, sit down. What are you doing? Ah, we got to control this thing. Are you with me? Without Christ, we're nothing. We can't save ourselves. As for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We have to put faith in the work that God has done, and you'll then it'll become a reality in your life. But until it becomes a, that, you'll never experience that reality. Just as God made Jesus to be sin, he has made you righteous. Because of him, he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Is your sin on that cross today? Was you crucified with Christ? Nevertheless, you live, yet not I, but it is Christ who liveth in me. Are you with me right now? Or is there something you're still going, mm, yeah, but I don't know. I'm going to hang on to this one for a little bit. I'm going to drag it around with me for a little bit, and I'm just going to say, you know, because I'm, you know, whatever. Are you going to say, wait, no. Nailing it to that cross today. To walk from that place of righteousness, you have to receive that righteousness of God. 
You say, well, what happens, Pastor, if I fall and I falter and fail? You will. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Is that okay? You're going to stumble. The Bible says that a righteous man will fall. Are you with me? Not, a, not I'm a sinner. If you still see yourself, I'm a sinner, and I'm, then you haven't come to the place of understanding. You can't be a sinner and the righteousness of God in the same wineskin. That's why you're struggling. You got bad doctrine. They haven't looked at the lamb. They know he's crucified, but they don't believe it for themselves yet. Are you hearing me right now? The Bible says that you've been seated together in heavenly places far above every principality and power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. That's why the Bible says of the angels, they're like, wow, you've crowned these guys with glory and honor. This is amazing, even though they're a lot more strong and powerful than us. Why is that? Because they see the transferal of that which is on him on you. Are you hearing me right now? It's so important. You know, the Bible talks about this in so many different passages of Scripture today. Colossians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, and I'm going to close with this. Colossians 2, verse 4. And through 10, and I, I think for a sake of time, I'm going to just read. Well, no, I'm going to read it. Because it's so important. It says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Did you hear that? And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. Rooted, oh, okay, uh, uh, verse, uh, verse four, sorry, verse five. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Join and beholding your order. And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him. So remember we started in a place of seated. Now we're going to walk in him. We're not getting out of him. We're not getting out of a place of righteousness. For I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because that is something I'm trying to achieve. It's because of what you've been made into. You were made the righteousness of God. We read that a while ago. You were made that way. You're not trying to become that. You were made that way. If you were to sin, the Bible says in 1 John, if you were to sin, and there's an if to it, it means you're not sinning all the time. You shouldn't be, amen? But if you do falter and fail, then you, the Bible says that we, we can ask for forgiveness, and he's faithful to cleanse us from this unrighteousness. So we're getting back up, and we're going to continue to walk in him. Doesn't mean you're still in that same place. Don't keep yourself in that place. No, when you've asked for forgiveness, receive and trust that he's faithful to forgive you. That he's faithful to forgive you. Quit letting your past hold you in that place, not being effective and, and worrying and, and struggling. No, say, no, no more. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I've accessed the grace. I've obtained mercy. And the blood of Jesus is powerful and more powerful than every sin and everything that the devil would ever try to put on me or ever going to ever do. There is a greater work that's done in me. Greater is he that's in me. Than he that's in this world. A passionate pleading as a pastor today, as a man anointed by God to preach the gospel. Therein is the power of God. 
But if you keep reading, look at this. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught. Abounding therein, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Man, I, I tell you, a lot of Christians aren't thankful. Why? Because they're not abounding in this area. They're struggling. We don't have to. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you, spoil you, you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Look at this, you ready? Verse 9, for in him, speaking of Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, all oh, this is so beautiful. Can you read this with me? And say, I. And, all right, ready? <laughs> and I am complete in him. I am complete in him. I'm complete. You are complete in him. You see that? Which is the head of all principality and power. If Satan came up to you personally, Lucifer himself, and he walked up to you and said something that is totally opposite of what God says, you know how you're supposed to treat him? Just treat him like Jesus said. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Quit tempting. No. Man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I am who God says I am. I am born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No demon in hell, no, no place in the devil has nothing in me. For I am blessed, I'm not cursed. I am the head and not the tail. I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out. I'm not trying to become that. I am that because God made me that way and I'm complete in him. I'm seated together in heavenly places. I am his righteousness, not my own. I'm going to tell you, you'll be more effective in this world and in the body of Christ and everywhere that you go. When you get that revelation, all of a sudden you're freed from all of man's opinion and man's control and everything else. All of the devil's temptation is broken off of you. Why? Because you see yourself properly. The worst thing in life is when you don't see yourself right. But you've taken on something from the world or you've taken on something from the porch. Are you with me? Where great multitudes lie and can't access the grace. But today, by the blood of Jesus, access is available for every person. You don't have to earn your deliverance. It came in salvation. That's by definition what it means. You don't have to earn your righteousness. By definition, it comes when you say, Jesus, be my Lord. You don't have to work and labor to enter in. But listen, if you do, you're learning to enter in to his rest. And what is that rest? You're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. That Jesus were the, was a propitiation of my sin. And, and, and by faith, I'm not getting what this world has. I'm not walking anymore according to the course of this world, according to the rudiments of this world. But I'm going to walk according to the level of the righteousness of God and what God has put on him. I'm transferring. I'm casting that care. I'm putting it on Christ and I'm receiving that righteousness today don't let your past sin hold you from what God says you are today your work can never break that chain only the blood are you with me what's your confession today I'm bound or am I free are you with me he who the sun sets free is free Indeed, it means to the uttermost. Don't ever let nobody throw a chain around your leg. Are you hearing me? 
take that shackle and kick it off and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God. Temptation shows up and the devil, your flesh starts trying to say, hey, you go, no, I'm the righteousness of God. Kick it off. Resist the devil. In the middle of your transgression, if he were to sin, you begin to say, I am the righteousness of God. I tell you, your mind will begin to go, oh, wait a minute. Your flesh won't feel it so strong. Are you with me? You continue to say what you believe. You continually confess it. It's not faking it till you make it. It's faith in it. As you walk according to the level of the Word of God. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages. 